All right, party people. Welcome back to another episode of Being Effing For Real. This is episode six, I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me. Um, and we're here on this fine Tuesday afternoon. Um, how are you doing, friend? Doing good today, friend. Um, it was raining earlier, but the sun has finally come out to play. Quite frankly, it's not summering for me if it's just going to rain all week, you know? Mm-hmm. How's your set, though? Um, I'm doing good over here, friend. Just trying to edit my videos and stuff so I can upload a YouTube video. I haven't done it in a couple weeks because I'm lazy. But I have a lot of things to edit and I have a lot of other stuff to do. So I don't always have time to upload new stuff. Uh, but yeah, I'm trying to, you know, trying to up my social media game. game so I can do my stuff. Um, of course, we have to talk about our TV shows and what we're watching. What are you binging, oh, yes. friend? Same as always. So, I finished two TV shows recently. So, one TV show, it's an HBO original series called Barry. You might or might not have heard of it. So, Bill Hader from SNL, he stars as a depressed hitman who seeks an escape and pursuing a career as a Hollywood actor. And just by the description alone, it, it probably sounds like the show takes itself on serious, which it does. I would say it's definitely an action kind of comedy. It's ran for four seasons now, the fourth season being the last. I thought the first three seasons were great, honestly, but I thought the fourth season, I didn't like it, honestly. It just felt really flat. Had definitely had a pacing issue. There were some moments that just felt really rushed or too slow. And then towards the ending, it just had this one really big filler episode that was just so weird and out of place for the plot. So, yeah, a little disappointing, but I think it's still a pretty good show worth watching overall if you're looking for a good action comedy. And then as for the second show that I finished recently, for my Star Wars fans out there, I recently finished the last season of Star Wars The Clone Wars, which I know aired on Disney Plus back in 2020, but better late than never, you know? And at least I'm catching up in time for the Ahsoka Tano show starring Rosario Dawson, which comes out at the end of August. So what about you, friend? Have you seen any new TV shows lately? Love that, friend. Um, so I watched Cruel Summer this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an experience. I was stressed. I was confused. I was shocked. I was crying. I was coughing. It was a mess. Um, so basically the plot of the show, I mean this season... Um, so we have our th- our three main players. We have Megan, we have Luke, and we have Isabella. Mm-hmm. So Megan and Luke are childhood besties. They grew up together, and they're still friends to this day. So this is like the summer before their senior year. Right. And so Isabella is an exchange student, and she's come to town, and she's living with Megan and her family. She's doing mm-hmm. the whole exchange program with the family and stuff. So she's living there at first. Uh, Megan doesn't like her because, you know, she comes through. She's, like, shaking up the, the friend dynamic. You know, she's messing things up for her. And then she gets with Luke, and Megan secretly has a crush on Luke. So she doesn't like that much either. But then her and Isabella, you know, start getting closer and talking more, so they become even closer, and they become besties. And then Megan confesses that she has a crush on Luke to Isabella. So Isabella breaks up with Luke so that Megan can get with Luke. Was like, um, great friend. I would never. You only break up with my man because you had a crush on him. Ma'am, you had 
years to hop on that, and you didn't do it. <laughs> That's not my fault. Anywho, Isabella is much better than me. So they're like hanging out for the summer and doing all that stuff. Everything's going cool. Everything's going dandy. And then they're at a, and so Luke's family is like very important in the town. You know, his father owns the majority of the businesses in the town. And Luke is also practicing to be a cop. So they're doing that whole thing. And then one day he's at a, he, they're at a party at, for his dad. You know, his dad has like business investors there. And there's this video that comes up on a projector. Um, this is 1999, by the way. So there's a video that comes up on the projector. It's a sex tape. And so everybody thinks mm-hmm. it's between the sex, because it was Isabella's jacket in the sex tape, and it was Luke. So everybody's thinking, oh, it was Luke and Isabella in the sex tape, so Luke cheated on Megan with Isabella, right? That's what they're thinking. Turns out, no, it was Megan in the sex tape. She just borrowed Isabella's jacket that day. But Isabella takes the fall for it, because Megan is going to this, like, really prestigious college for programming. She's, like, really good at programming. And mind you, it was 1999, which means that was hard. Um, so mm-hmm. she's going, she's doing that. So it was like, I'll take the fall so that you can keep your scholarship. Right. So like I said, good friend, I would never. So that, so for the rest of summer, everybody is no calling Isabella, all types of names, calling her a skank, you know, doing all that stuff, being very rude to her. And so one day her and Luke, you know, go to this place called the plunge. It's basically a beach where you like skinny dip and stuff, but not skinny dip. You just like just uh-huh. And so they go there together. If uh, Megan was supposed to come, but Megan doesn't come because she secretly has like this thing on the side with this guy named Ned, who helps her with programming. Um, so there, she's going to do that, but in secret, so she doesn't tell either of them who she's going with. She's just saying, you know, I have stuff to do. And so Isabella and Luke are alone together at the plunge. You know, they're having a good time. They get in the car, and then Luke kisses her, and Isabella is like, "Whoa, home slice." what's wrong with you? You're with Megan. Why are you trying to kiss me? And so he, like, they have a whole argument. She gets out the car. She goes home. And then Luke goes home. Megan is there. Megan feels guilty because of lying, because she's lying about um, doing the programming with Ned. So they do the do. And then Luke is like, oh, uh, something happened at the plunge. And Megan is like, what? And he's like, oh, Isabella tried to kiss me. Um, sir, that's not what happened. You're a liar. So I was pissed. That was last week. I was pissed, right? <laughs> I was angry. And so, you know, it's a whole mess. And then towards the end of the episode, you know, so meanwhile, this story is taking place between the year, between like the months of the summer of 1999, the uh, winter of 1999, and the summer of 2000, right? It's taking place between those three dates. So, you know, we are going back and forth between those three dates, you know, seeing different things that are happening. And so, basically, you know, uh, so Megan confronts Isabella at the New Year's party. And Isabella's like, well, that didn't happen. He kissed me. And Megan's like, what do you mean he kissed you? And she's like, yeah, why would I do that to you? You're my best friend. I would never do that. And so she's like, wait a minute, hold on. So she goes to find Luke. And Luke is, like, bragging to his friends about how he has both the girls wrapped around his finger. So now Megan is pissed. Also, Megan is pregnant, secretly. Mm-hmm. She took a pregnancy test that morning. It was positive. So, this is a mess, right? So, Megan hears, hears what he says. Now she's pissed. But she goes to Isabella, and she's like, oh, we need to come up with a plan. We need to get revenge on him. 
and we should make him wish he never met us, right? And right. so they tie him up in a cabin, and they, you know, they put pills in his coke, and they drink and they give it to him, and you know, he like falls asleep for a little bit. He wakes up. They're interrogating him. Basically, his brother is known for recording sex tapes, right? And so they're like, oh, did you know your brother was recording the sex tapes? And he's like, yeah, I did. You know, I saw them once on accident because when I came over one day, the boys were watching them. And they're like, wait a minute. So you knew your brother was recording sex tapes in this cabin. And you brought me here to this cabin to have sex with me. Did you know he was recording us? And he's like, no, he didn't record us. And he's like, and they're like, well, if he didn't record us, who did? He's like, I did. I'm like, so straightforward, huh? We've been trying to figure out who recorded that tape from episode one. It's episode eight. It's been you this whole time. Like you know that song from WandaVision? It's been Agatha all along. Yeah. It's been, it's been Luke all along. He's a shisty character. <laughs> Meanwhile, this is happening in in between the summer and the winter of nineteen ninety nine. But fast forward to the summer of um well and then after that you know they're in the cabin um and so luke is confessing all this stuff right and then he's like wait a minute isabella is lying to you too and isabella is like um shut up don't tell her that and he's like yeah she lied to you you know we had sex once before you and i got together and, you know, I wasn't a virgin. And Megan gets mad because he's like, wait a minute, you kept that secret from me? And she's like, yeah, but that's because he told me, you know, that you that it would crush you and you would feel bad about it. And Luke is like, no, no, no. She said it's because you were insecure. Luke's a liar. She didn't say that. You're the one that came up to her. It was like, yeah, it's going to make her feel bad. So if I tell her, Isabel was like, oh, okay, I guess. So now Megan's mad at Isabella. And now Isabella's pissed. So Isabella walks away. Right? I'm thinking she's about to storm out the cabin and go home. No, 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 no. She comes back with a gun. Right? A gun. And she's pointing it at Luke. And she's like, take it back. I'm a great friend. Take it back now. And so Luke is crying and freaking out. Megan is freaking out. Megan's trying to calm Isabella down. Isabella's holding the gun. Right? And so all of a sudden, she shoots it. Episode ends. All we see is gunfire. Episode ends. Black screen. Right? That happens, and that's, oh, sorry, that, sir. that happens winter of 1999. That's January 1st, 2000, right? So fast forward to um, the summer, right? After that, Luke goes missing, right? Nobody knows where Luke is after New Year's. He doesn't show up anywhere. So fast forward to summer. Guess what? They find Luke's body in the river. So Luke is dead. Right, we learned that from the first, we know from the first episode that Luke is dead because, like I said, it's taking we see all three points of time in one episode, so all these things are happening in one episode. So we see Luke, mm. so we know Luke is dead this whole time. We don't, we just don't know how he died. We just know he's dead, and so that's like the mystery, like how did he die? Who killed him? You know all that stuff. And man, when I tell you when she pulled out that gun, uh, I was shocked. I was shocked. I was coughing and crying. I was gagged. And then when she fired the gun, oh, friend. 
friend, uh, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. I was just, I was shocked, friend. Like, this season might just be better than season one because season one was so popular. And I really enjoyed season one. You know, I was shocked. I was gobsmacked. But season two, friend? Oh, I've never felt more gagged. Like, season one did not give me this feeling. I've never felt more gagged. And so I feel like season two is really taking it. And we have two episodes left. Now, I low-key think that she didn't shoot him. I don't think she shot him. Because it doesn't make sense, depending on based on the um, the events of the other of other things that's happening. I don't think she shot him. I think she like shot the wall or something. I don't know, but something was happening there. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll have to see in the in episode nine. I can't wait for episode nine. I can wait for episode ten. Uh, I'm just I'm so prepared. I'm so ready. I need to know what happened. I just it's necessary. I need to know who killed him. I need to know who put him in the lake. I need to know, like, all the rest of what's going to happen. Like, I need to know it immediately. Now let's take a little break to hear from our sponsors. It's summertime, guys, which means it's the prime time for festivals and concerts. This festival season, planning for faster, efficient hydration is essential. Liquid IV has you covered while you prep before, power through to the headliner, and recover after the weekend. It's convenient packaging and delicious flavors like watermelon and hydrating feeling keeps me coming back for more. One stick of Liquid IV and 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. They have 12 delicious refreshing flavors to keep your hydrating routine exciting. Made with premium ingredients, non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy and soy. This is the perfect thing to keep you hydrated this festival season. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code BFFRPOD at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop hydration today using promo code BFFR at liquidiv.com. And then movies. Um, I watched these two horrible horror movies on Saturday. One was called Don't Pick Up, I think. No, it was called One Missed Call. Um, it was bad. So first of all, we begin the movie with Megan Good. So I'm like, oh, Megan, what are you doing here? This movie came out in 2008. So I'm like, oh, Megan, what are you doing here? You look good. And so all of a sudden, she's on the phone. She's talking to somebody. And all of a sudden, she gets, like, yanked into the, into, into the pool. And I'm like, well. And so she gets strangled and yanked into the pool. She drowns, obviously. And then her cat is sitting there, you know, watching the whole thing going down. And then the cat gets yanked into the pool, too. And I'm like, what a crazy way to start off a movie. What did the cat do? (laughs) What did the cat do? Not the animal abuse. And so throughout the movie, you know, um, basically the premise is um, you get a phone call from somebody who is dead. And you hear your own voice. And as you're dying. So you hear your voice and you're dying on the phone call. And so they freak out. And basically the phone call has, you know, it's time stamped. So this would be like July 10th at 2 p.m., right? Mm. And so naturally people freak out, right? And then, you know, the first girl, she gets a phone call while she's, you know, at a party with her friend. And then the next day at that exact time, she gets like knocked off a platform and hit by a tramp, right? Mm. And the next guy at her funeral, he's, like, freaking out on them. And I'm like, yep, 
you're next because you were only figuring out if you got the call too. He got the call. Um, and so, like, he said a sequence of words. He said, oh, if I didn't have my head screwed on, right? That was his word. And so he, like, he, like, meets up with this girl at a diner. And they're talking. It's an outside cafe. And they're talking about the phone calls. You know, and this, and this whole thing is centered around this girl, you know. It's her friends who are getting killed and attacked, right? And so he's, like, talking to her. They're, like, doing the thing. He walks across the street. And he's like, look, you know, I'm not going to die. I'm fine. And then she's like, oh, you forgot your phone. So he walks back across the street to get his phone. All of a sudden, there, there's a construction thing across the across the street. It blows up, and he grabs his phone. He's like, "Oh, thank you." You know, if I have my head screwed on, all of a sudden, Pike comes out of nowhere, straight through his chest. Special effects are atrocious, but <laughs> they were really bad. But I was still, I was still shocked. I was so shocked. And especially somehow. They get around to thinking that it was her mother who was like attacking her and trying to like trying to get her friends and I was like, Oh, that's like a weird where did you get this conclusion from? I was very confused. I was I was very mm-hmm. confused. And so they go to the hospital where her mother died at because there was a fire and they never found her mother's body. So, you know, they like find it in a vent and she her mother has a her mother's skeleton has a phone in her hand. So like, oh, you know, this is the phone she's using to call people. So she takes the phone in her hand and like she you know, she she turns around, she's using the phone. I'm like, yeah, that skeleton is about to move. Skeleton does move. But when, when she hopped up, I was like, whoa, you should not move that fast for a skeleton. I jumped out my skin, friend. I was like, wait a minute, why are you using this? So she's like going through the vent. She's like chasing her, and then she falls on her. Her mother's skeleton falls on her body. Ew. And so all of a sudden, the mother whispers, you know, like, forgive me. You know, I was trying to protect you. And she's confused. I'm confused, too. Because I thought the mom was the culprit. Apparently, she's not. And so, mm-hmm. you know, meanwhile, this cop is helping her. Uh, and it was the funniest thing. So this cop's helping her. And then the cop goes to his people, his cop people. And they're like, oh, we need to protect her. And one the cop's like, protect her from what? The ghost in her phone? <laughs> I started busting out laughing. <laughs> ah, the one comedic moment in that movie. That person was hilarious. Um, but yeah, it was it was just a bad movie. Basically, I think the mother did it right. So you know they they go home. The girl is fine. All of a sudden, this uh, the cop you know he collects evidence and he gets a phone call on the um in the evidence room. And so he picks it up and it's the girl like freaking out about something. And you know so all of a sudden we get this sequence of this girl playing with this other girl. And you know she was like being weird. So he pulls out a knife and she tries to stab her. And so, a nun comes in the room, and she's like, oh, I knew it was you. I knew you were wrong. So, she locks her in the room. And all of a sudden, the girl starts having an asthma attack. Like, she didn't have her asthma attack, so she died. Right? And she's like, you know, she's looking at the camera as she dies. And I'm like, okay, this is so random. And turns out, it was the little girl's ghost who was calling out people and killing them. And I was like, that makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> Not one lick of sense was made. That was so random. The whole time, you guys are focused on this mother so bad. And it's this random girl? What? It didn't make no type of sense. Not a No sense. And I just, I just left the movie pissed. Meanwhile, the cop dies at the very end of the movie, too. 
So it's just the girl left. And I'm like, what the heck was this? Well, and then the mother, the mother's ghost comes through and like kills the little girl's ghost. And she's like, you know, I love you. And then she like disappeared as a ghost. And I'm like, what? 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 I was pissed, friend. And then the other movie I watched was called Murder Manual. Right? Mm. It had Amelia Clark in it. So I yeah, was thinking, yeah, I was thinking, okay, this might be, you know, this might be good. You know, she's a good actress. No, friend. <laughs> it was horrible. Basically, it's an anthology. It was a collection of eight stories. Uh, detailing their, like, haunting and murderous experiences during otherwise normal activities. So, like, basically, like, like between each story, it would be, like, a lesson. Basically, like, oh, like, um, trap your prey, surround your prey, kill your prey, you know, stuff like that. And so, you know, each story just progressively got worse. Right? There was this one story of this guy who was running from zombies. It was so random. He was a cute guy, you know. But he was like running from zombies. You know, he put on his he put on his equipment. He was a, he was killing the zombies. He drove into the woods, um, on a bike, you know, and then he like he almost get attacked by a zombie. So it was this black guy. And this other black guy out of nowhere shoots a zombie for him. So it's like oh, things. Oh, you know? sorry, friends. I don't know if you heard that neck. It's the, yeah. <laughs> sorry. And then, you know, he shoots the zombie for him. He's like, thanks. He's like, you know, they walk away. Her, him and the dog walk away. And so the guy, you know, straps himself into a tree. And so, you know, up in the tree sleeping. And he wakes up in the morning. And, you know, he sees the, he sees the zombie. He kills the zombie. He keeps walking. Comes across the guy, the black guy in the woods with his dog. And the guy's like, you know, stay away. And he doesn't stay away. She's like, oh, you can come sit and eat if you're going to stay there. And I'm like, okay, what is happening here? And so, you know, they sit and eat. And all of a sudden... You know, he, all of a sudden, we, like, transition into him just walking away from the woods with the dog of the guy following him. He has all his weapons, he's walking away into the woods, and then that sequence ends. I'm like, what is this movie? And that mm. one was, the look of that one was Surround Your Prey. I'm like, what? What was the point? That didn't make no sense. There was zero point. Not a singular point. And then the other one, uh, one of the other ones, basically, it was this girl. She has this um, this Indian boyfriend, and you know they're at this party because he got picked up by an Uber, and so you know so they go into the Uber, they you know doing the thing, and then the Uber driver starts talking wreck. He's like, oh, she's a liberal sh- woman. She she should know everything. You know, she's very misogynistic, and she's like, oh, let me out the car. So he lets her out the car. She's thinking she's gonna walk. You know, he comes back, he knocks her out, he kidnaps her. She wakes up in a basement. And um, there's this other lady there who's, like, setting up supplies, like, torture supplies. And then the guy comes back. He comes close to her, and she headbutts him. And then he hits her and knocks her out, right? And I'm like, okay, what is happening? And all of a sudden, she was in the middle of the road. And she has, like, swastikas, like, knifed into her skin, like, all over her skin. And she's, like, on the verge of death. And then her boyfriend comes to find her in the middle of the road. And he's like, oh, stay with me, you're going to be fine. And we hear, like, ambulance sirens. And I'm like, once again, what was the point? What was the point? I can't even remember the other six stories. Because they were just dumb. They, mm-hmm. It was, it was, it, 
not nothing made sense. Nothing made sense. I and I was like, I was looking for a good, you know, horror movie. I was like, ooh, horror anthology. Ooh, no, no, no. It was terrible. That was like probably like my worst movie experience night ever. I've never like even the other bad movies I've watched. They're bad in an entertaining way, right? They're bad like a funny way, you know. This this was just bad. Like there's there's no there's no plus. There's no there's no brighter side. It's just it was terrible. I it's just, it was a wasted movie night, and I'm still pissed about it. I'm still very angry. Um, oh God. So to to build off of you about what you said entirely about the first movie, it sounds like one of those kind of movies that it's so over-the-top, like, awfully constructed that, like, it's funny, if you know what I mean? Like, a hilariously bad film, if you know? No, it wasn't hilarious. You wouldn't say that? Because, like, the part with the cat, like, dying in the beginning, that, that really threw me off. The cat dying and the lady saying... What are we gonna do? Protect her from the ghost in her phone. We're the only two funny parts of that movie. Everything mm-hmm. else, horrible. That's wow. It was boring. I was I kept watching because I was confused, and I thought they were gonna make sense of it by the end of the movie. They didn't. No, mm-hmm. I was just I was just confused. They like pulled that plot line out of nowhere. Like this random girl. This random. Who is she? She literally came out of nowhere. Just a random girl in a nunnery that she happened to stay at when she was a little girl. What's the connection here? I'm not I'm not seeing it. it at all. It, it was so it pissed me off though. Cause normally when I watch bad horror movies, they are hilariously funny. You know? They're bad mm-hmm. but like in a funny way, you know, I'm still getting a level of entertainment. No. To build off of you, friend, once more, so what are some, hel- and not just horror movies, just movies that are just so horrendously bad that, like, you find it, like, comedy, per se? Oh, God, I actually have a list, because uh, I posted one on my Instagram story a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Let me, let me look through my archives. Yeah, yeah I take probably do this on my phone. Um, you can talk about stuff, though, friend. Yeah, so I was just randomly thinking of movies that I consider hilariously bad. Um, what's the name of that one movie? It was one of the Michael Myers movies. I don't remember exactly which one it was, but I remember it was the one with Tyra Banks and Buster Rhymes. Like, I remember, yeah, it had them too in it. And, like, it was some sort of, like, Blair Witch Hunt meets Michael Myers, and it was, like, a house party, if you remember that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so, oh my like, I remember towards the ending of the movie when Buster Rhymes faces off against Michael Myers that he kicks him, he karate kicks him out the window and then Michael Myers, like, dies from electrocution. And then, I remember, I can't even make this up, friend. I remember Buster Rhymes, like, he says something like, hey, Mikey, looking a little crispy there, like, fried chicken, mother. I was like, who wrote this? That's crazy. <laughs> Not fried chicken. <laughs> fried chicken is insane. 
I think another movie, so, okay, so, I think a lot of the Fast and Furious movies are just to this point comedy bad, if you know what I mean. The one in particular that I remember laughing so much at when I saw it in the theaters was the movie Hobbs and Shaw with The Rock and bald British dude, I can't remember his name. Yeah. Because I remember there was a scene in particular where... (laughs) I kid you not. The Rock pulled down a helicopter with one arm out of the sky because, like, the helicopter was attached to a chain. And I just remember, like, I was laughing off the top of my lungs and people were, like, starting to look like, is this kid okay? Oh, friend, I know you're not a DC girly, but I thought this movie was hilariously bad. You might or might not remember when George Clooney was Batman towards the very end of the 90s. Mm-hmm. And I remember Arnold Schwarzenegger. You said Batman? Yeah. What? I'm so serious. That was a movie. The movie was called Batman and Robin, and George Clooney was Batman. And guess who played the character Mr. Freeze? You know who that character is? Who? Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) And and Poison Ivy was also in that movie. Guess who was Poison Ivy? Who? Uma Thurman. I can okay. see that. I can actually kind of see that, but it was still like a really ooh. just a that's a that's a that's an incredibly random cast, right? The randomest cast. Basically, back in April, um, it was April twelfth. I was going on a binge of a bunch of horror movies, and so mm-hmm. I rated them on my Instagram story. So let's see. First, oh crap! First movie. Um, it was called "I Know Who Killed Me." Oh, it had Lindsay Lohan in it. Seriously, it was a young woman appears to suffer from appears to suffer from dual personalities after surviving a brutal kidnapping. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie was hot garbage. I wrote I wrote a review, so I'm gonna read it. I said, "Hot it. garbage." Plot was almost good, but very confusing and developed poorly. And I gave it a three out of ten. <clears throat> so it did not eat. Um, next one we have Freddy versus Jason. Um, <laughs> I said they ate down. I did like the movie. Yeah. I gave it a. I gave it an eight out of ten, um, because I I do like that movie. You know, it it's just it. I said it serves its purpose and doesn't try to be something it isn't. Um, I said it ate down, had my girl Solange, and Freddie would clear if it was just one on one. Solange was in that movie. No, I said the wrong one. Ignore that. Oh, um, um, okay. Freddie would it was Kelly. Um, Freddie would clear if it was just one on one. Jason had a sister, so it wasn't fair. Personally, I think Freddie should have won. Because Jason had the assist with the, because the, because the, because they were trying to help Jason because they thought Jason was the lesser evil, so they were they were assisting Jason. But if it was just Freddie by himself, Freddie would clear. Jason, Jason wouldn't stand a chance. Um. Then we have Malevolent. Um. Twenty eighteen. I gave it a five out of ten. Plot is kind of interesting but very slow. And nothing really happened until the very end of the movie. Predictable, predictable, but overall not horrible. Then we have Demonic. Oh, this was good. Okay, basically, I gave it a 7 out of 10. Um, This kind of ate down. Love movies. I do love movies that start at the end and show you how they got there. Low, much, low budget, but they use the money wisely. I love a good low budget movie. You know? Mm-hmm. Allocate the funds correctly. Um, I was actually shocked at the ending, so not predictable, and they get right to the point. It's not slow. They get right into it, and I love that. 
And then we have 30 miles to nowhere, 30 miles from nowhere. Basically, when five college pals returned from their estranged friend's funeral, what begins an uneasy reunion becomes a terrible fight for survival. I said, awful. Hot pile of steaming garbage and incredibly predictable. Ending made me... (laughs) (laughs) You are brutal, friend. Ending made me angry. Um, got God from Supernatural though. Oh, the guy who played God in Supernatural. You know, have you ever seen Supernatural, friend? Yeah, I did. I remember guy, who plays him. Yeah, the guy who plays Chuck. Um, yeah, he, he was in the movie, and I thought he killed it. So they got a point for that. I gave it a two out of ten. It was, it was bad. Um, then we have the movie Five Girls. Basically, five wayward teenagers battle a demonic force at a reformatory. Um, I thought this was going to be awful, but it actually wasn't. Uh, witches, demons, and a gay love story. Sign me up. Actors weren't that bad. I gave it a 6.5 out of 10. You know, it wasn't great, but it wasn't terribly. Um, and please, I said, I don't know which movie this is. Oh, it was called The Maze. I said, this has to be one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I gave it a negative 7 out of 10. Acting is horrible. Budget is in the underworld. The victims are the dumbest people I've seen in the world. There's no way you can't beat this man. Um, that is... Wow. So this is called The Maze. Um, five friends enter a core maze after hours and find themselves at the mercy of a killer. Um, the only weapon the man has is a kitchen knife. A kitchen knife! And he beats somebody who had a gun. He was able to overpower somebody who had a gun while he only had a kitchen knife. What? I recorded it too. Because he, this person, has a gun. And he only had a kitchen knife. He's just out here in a red hoodie and some jeans. He's a regular human being. It is not supernatural. He's just a regular, regular person with a kitchen knife. And he killed everybody, including the one with a gun. And it just... And I said I need emotional support for that hot mess I just witnessed. I did, because... Jesus. He also somehow had a guillotine in the middle of a corn maze? Who pulled that out there? Look at this run, friend. Look at this run. Let me see. Why did he run like that? Why did he run like that? <laughs> he didn't like that. Why did he run like that? And listen, the way... Look. Hold on. Wait, let me see one more time. The way she comes out the woods kills me. Look at her stumbling. Why is she limping all of a sudden? Like, you, that's a fake walk. We could tell, girl. Right. Acting is on zero. And then, I, and then at the end, I said, I'm frustrated. I'm sick of this movie, but I'm invested. And I was just, I was pissed. Oh. Friend, and then, and then, and then, and then, I'm looking at my story. I said, movie just went up to a negative four out of ten because she just ate that. So I guess she did something to, to redeem herself. Um... But yeah, it was, it was, it was bad. Turns out the guy who was killing him was a cop who for some reason 
was walking around with a kitchen knife, killing random people in a maze. Like, so yeah, overall, that movie originally had a negative 7 out of 10, but it went up 3 points to a negative 4 out of 10, because old girl ate that. They see at the end, um, he was trying to shoot her, and he was like, he was like confessing to all his stuff. Turns out she had a tape recorder and she recorded the whole team. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> you ate that one. You ate that one thing. Everything else, awful, terrible. Just hot trash. But I was thoroughly entertained the whole time. I was, mm. I was, I was invested. I was entertained. It was just horrible. But I was, I was sad I was there. And then I watched this movie on Netflix. I don't remember the title at all. But basically, um, this like random spirit force thing like goes around making people kill themselves. And it was bad. But like I was once again invested. You know, because like sometimes it's like it's like it's like watching a car crash. You can't look away. Like I was sad, but it was just terrible. It was terrible. I'm not sure if I recorded that experience. Um, but it was just it was really bad. It was woo. It was horrible fun. Do you have any movies like that, friend, where like it's so bad but you just can't look away? Oh, I, I just didn't want to interrupt you, Simon. I wasn't sure if you were finished. No, I'm done, friend. I was asking, like, do you have a do you have any movies that that are so bad that you just couldn't look away from them? I kind of know what you mean. Do you kind of mean like the movie's so bad that you feel kind of obligated to finish it in some weird way? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm, good question. Hmm. I'm really thinking. Wow. I guess I felt that way as I was watching the second Wonder Woman movie that came out back during COVID, back in 2020. It was so terrible, but, you know, I was watching with my family. It's just like, you know, I wasn't going to stop it just because I was suffering, you know? What was it called? Wonder Woman 1984 was terrible. Oh, God. I don't like those movies, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I do not like Wonder Woman movies, sir. I just, I wasn't there for that. Alright, friend, you ready to get into our topics? I am, friend. Alright, you want to start us off? I shall. So, well, I actually want to add a new topic to our list, friend, and hopefully our viewers listening can, you know, help us vote on this. So I had actually thought of a new idea. So me and TJ know that we mostly post on Spotify and Apple Music for now. We definitely want to get more engaged on our Instagram and our TikTok account. So I had just sprung up the idea. What if me and TJ were to make movie or TV show reviews? Like we make little TikToks out of it. Like, you know, like for example, like you can make a video like based on Cool Summer and just give like the review that you literally just wrote. And then, for example, like, I can give a review, like, on the new Mission Impossible movie that I just saw the other day. You know, we can just kind of take turns on this TikTok account. I think it will definitely bring in some viewers because we haven't posted on our TikTok yet. 
Yeah, I was literally gonna make a make a video about Quill Summer earlier, but then we had to record, so I was gonna wait. But yeah, I can definitely mm -hmm. do that on our page too. Yeah, and then also like you know what Letterbox, how we write movie reviews, we could literally just copy and paste that same exact review in an Instagram post. We can. Oh, you're a genius friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could just put it as the caption. This is why you're the social media one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is why, because I would not have thought of that. Yeah, that's but yeah, friend. Um, but let's get into the real topics. What should we talk about first? So let's talk about the movie Memento first, directed by Christopher Nolan, starring Guy Pearce, and the early two thousands classic. I know TJ's been wanting to talk about this movie for a minute, so I'll let you have the mic on this one. All right, so I'm gonna pull up the um, I'm gonna pull up the description of the movie first so we can you know let you guys know what it is i'm hungry friend you are friend you need breakfast only thing i had today was a um was a banana at like 11 a.m did they take the movie off They might have took the movie off Netflix. I mean, HBO Max, friend. Really, friend? Dang, we just caught it on time then. I'm huh? just, I can't find it. Mm, momento. Yeah, yeah, they just took it off. It's not there anymore. Dang. That was fast. Okay, now I gotta look it up on Google. Not they moaning in the back. Alright, so, Memento. This is uh, Leonard is tracking down the man who raped and murdered his wife. The difficulty, however, of locating his wife's killer is compounded by the fact that he suffers from a rare, untreatable form of memory loss. Although he, re he can recall details of his life before his incident, Leonard cannot remember what happened 15 minutes ago, where he's going, or why. Right? So the reason I want to watch this movie is because, you know, I know on one of our lives, we were talking about movies that are like, you know, that like mess with your mind. And I felt like, you know, a guy who can't remember anything would really, you know, mess with your mind. And so I was like, okay, we have to tune in. So, you know, we first we first open up the movie, you know, and I think we wait, what's the guy's name? Hold on. What's his name? Teddy? Yeah, so Leonard yeah. is at the um at a hotel. Lenny. <laughs> I love sorry, Teddy. I love Teddy. He was so cute. Even though I was scared of him the whole time. He was adorable. And he was so, low-key my favorite character. I don't exactly. know what it is. <laughs> and so Leonard's at, at his hotel room and he comes out. And, you know, he's talking he's talking to the hotel clerk and the clerk is asking about his memory loss stuff. He's like, Yeah, I don't know who you are. Um, and then this guy comes in, his name is Teddy. He walks in the he walks in the door, he's like, Lenny And and Leonard is like, mm, who is this man? Basically, Leonard walks around. Basically, so all over his body are tattoos of different things that he needs to remember. And then he also carries around pictures that everybody he knows. And mm -hmm. he puts, like, little descriptions of them under it. And so for Teddy, it said, it said his name. And then on the back, it said, um, don't trust him. Right? And so, you know, he comes in and he, they, like, leave. And they drive off to this abandoned building. And Leonard is confronting him about um, lying to him. 
And he's like, yeah, but like everybody lies to you. You wouldn't know your your left from your right foot if somebody didn't if you didn't have it on you. And so they're yelling, and all of a sudden, um, Leonard shoots Teddy and takes a picture of him. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he takes. Oh, sorry. And he burns it. And so that's like the beginning of the movie. And so we're like, what the heck? So we flash back to the hotel room. And Teddy's back. I'm like, we just killed you. What are you doing here? And so at first I was like, oh, is this supernatural? Are we like in Groundhog's Day? No, we just flash back to a couple of days before. Um, do you have something to say, friend? Oh, no, I was just going to build off of you that, like, after he takes the picture of Teddy, like, he does that throughout the rest of the movie, that because the movie, it, it's like it resets in real time, like, at least every five to ten minutes that, like, let's say there's a new character. Of course, we as the audience are going to remember that character, but the main character, what's his name again? Leonard. Lenny. Lenny, that he takes a picture of every character, like, to kind of rejog his memory, and it's... It's one of the trippiest movies that no, it on it is the trippiest movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Like wow, like I thought it was extremely uniquely made because it's like we as the audience, since we're watching it from Lenny's perspective, it's like you have to like put things together like a puzzle piece. Like you ever got so frustrated when you were a child like playing puzzles, friend? Yeah, I don't like puzzles. Mm. Um, so basically, like randomly. It'll, cause normally it'll be in color, but then randomly we'll flash to this black and white sequence of him on the phone, and he's telling the story to this guy about somebody named um, Sammy, and he's talking about how Sammy had memory loss and how his wife was, you know, trying to trying to figure out if he was telling the truth or not, and how the insurance people were also trying to figure out if he was lying or not, and so he's like telling that story to that guy on the phone. And then we flash back to color. We figure out what happened to his wife. His wife was raped and murdered, and he was knocked out. And he lost his memories. So now he's basically like Dory um, from Finding Nemo, and he has short-term memory loss. So he doesn't. But every fifteen minutes, his mind resets. And then we meet somebody. Um, I don't know if I'm telling the story in the correct sequence. You can you can help me out, friend. I don't. We oh watched, yeah. We watched the movie last week, so um, we might be saying things out of order. Anywho, we meet this lady named Natalie. Natalie is um, helping him, you know, figure out who killed his wife. Um, and so she's bringing him, like, documents and stuff. And so they also have, seem to have, like, a like a sexual relationship. And so, you know, they're mm-hmm. doing all that. And then he leaves Natalie. And he's like, yeah, the guy, the guy that he's looking for is named John G. And he has John G tattooed on his chest. And turns out... Um, John G. Wait, Outer Banks? <laughs> And, um, I'm sorry, I had to say that. And turns out Teddy is John G, according to the documents. So now we see why he probably shot Teddy. And so then we fast back, we fast back in time again. He's running around trying to find people and like doing all that stuff. And then we flash back to the um, the black and white scene where he's telling the story about Sammy and his wife. Turns out Sammy um, kept giving his wife. Wait, hold on, I missed something. So he was on the phone, and he's you know telling the story, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's like looking through all his documents and papers and stuff, and he sees the note that says, "Don't pick up the phone." And so all of a sudden, he hangs up. Mm-hmm. And then we flash back to color, 
he's back, you know. And then, uh, one of the most craziest scenes. So, oh, I never recorded the I never recorded this for the Instagram story too. Basically, all of a sudden, um, he's on he's so we see him sitting on a toilet with a bottle of wine, and all of a, he takes he takes a nap on the toilet. All of a sudden, he wakes up. He's like, huh. What am I doing with this wine? Um, this is weird. And so he like gets in the shower, and all of a sudden this guy comes in the bathroom and pees while he's in the shower. So the guy pulls open the curtain. They start. They get to fighting, and he pulls the wine bottle and hits the guy in the head, and you know ties him up and stuff. And then we see him. We flash back, and we see him get a name of the guy at his hotel room from Natalie. Um, and they, first of all, he, he, he looks through the peephole, he sees somebody comes through, he kicks the door in, he knocks out this innocent guy for no reason, which is hilarious, and then he goes to the, because he had the note upside down, so he read the wrong hotel room, then he goes to the right hotel room, and he goes in, and he finds, he's like, oh, I need a weapon, he finds a weapon, he, which is the wine bottle, and then, you know, basically, it's like, we're seeing it in backwards. He finds the weapon, which is the wine bottle, and then he falls asleep on the toilet, right? And also there was a sequence where he was getting chased. He was in a car chase, didn't know why, because he, he forgot why somebody was chasing him, which is hilarious. Basically, I got now I gotta go. Oh, yeah, I saw that on his story where, like, he was yeah. in his car, and then he's like, oh, and then he drives away. And hold on, let me pull it up, because I still have it. Okay, yeah. It's so funny. And, um, so yeah, he skirts off. And so basically we, like, you know, flashback between scenes with Teddy, who's shysty. Then we go back with scenes with Sammy in Black and White, told a story about Sammy. Basically, um, his wife didn't really believe that he was really having a short-term memory loss. So she kept saying, oh, it's time for my insulin shot. And he kept giving her insulin. And I was like, I don't think this method is safe. You know, because why are you letting him just keep injecting you with insulin? Um, and basically, the wife dies um, because she let him pr- inject her with insulin a bunch of times. Which, like, I don't know what your plan was there, hun. Is like, girl, that's so just stupid. Anywho, um, so we flash back to he first he's first meeting Natalie, and he tells Natalie about his short-term memory loss. And so, for some reason, Natalie is, like, the worst person ever. Wait, I'm skipping some steps. Basically, he's in the house with Natalie. Natalie runs in. She's, she's like, she's been beaten up mm-hmm. and slapped. She, like, you know, has blood running down her face. And he's like, who did this to you? And he's like, she's like, who do you think? It was that guy. It was, you know, you, you know who. And so he's like, oh, I'm going to go find him. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You know, and so he leaves. And then we flash back to him being on the couch. And Natalie walks in and she's like, oh, why won't you do this for me? And he's like, no, I'm just not going to walk around doing random stuff for you. And she's like, oh, well, you're you're a coward and, you know, you don't have any memory. I can make you do whatever I want you to do. I could use you. I could abuse you. And so he hits her because he she calls his wife a whore, um, and you know she looks at him. He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna use this to my advantage." So she runs out to the car, 
and she's sitting in the car, blood dripping down her face. I mean, just her lip. Um, she's not that beat up. She's just a slap. But yeah, she's blood, blood dripping down her down her lip. And he's staring at her, and he's like searching frantically for a pen and paper, so he can write down what just happened, so he can remember. But as soon as he finds the pen, she runs in the house, talking about, "Oh, the guy beat me up," which was crazy to me. Right, Natalie is a shysty individual, and then throughout the movie, you know, we flash back to him first meeting Natalie. She's a barkeep, so he comes in. He's he's meeting her. Wait, can I interrupt you for this one second? Yeah, Fran, the scene in the bar where her and that other dude at the bar spit. Oh, it was disgusting. So he first he's and I was eating watching that scene. Yeah, he's first meeting Natalie. She's a barkeep. He walks. He walks in the bar. Tells him about her what? Tells her about his wife. Tells him. Tells her about um, the short term memory loss. And so, she asks him, and the guy at the bar and her. They spit in a in a glass. And she's like, yeah, like um, this like commission or something. I don't know. Anyhow, she fills it up with some. So he goes to the table, and she fills the glass up with some beer, and she gives it to him. And I'm like. Why would you do that? What's wrong with you? So disgusting. Nasty. And so, I was like, well, Natalie is the worst person on earth. And then we come back and we have Teddy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, all of a sudden, Leonard, so Leonard walks around in this suit and in this nice car. And Teddy, throughout the movie, it's like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know who you were before. You don't even know where you got your suit or your car. You live in a hotel. You you were once an insurance agent. How do you have that nice suit and that luxury car? Teddy's been casting suspicion about his identity this entire time. So I'm like, oh, Teddy knows something. So it turns out Teddy does know something. So we flash back to Leonard. He's in this regular brown outfit. He has a regular. He has a pickup truck. No. He's in a he's in a he's in a he's in a blue jean vest and some jeans and a regular shirt, and he has a pickup truck. And so he meets Teddy. It turns out Teddy is an undercover cop. Um, he meets Teddy, you know, and he's like, "Oh, I can help you." And so they find the guy. Um, and throughout the movie, Natalie, I was talking about her dead boyfriend. So they find this guy who they're supposed to kill. Um, Leonard kills him, drops him in the basement. And all of a sudden, he doesn't remember why he killed him. Teddy comes through. And he's like, oh, why'd I do that? Turns out the guy he killed was Natalie's dead boyfriend. Um, mm-hmm. So so he takes, and so Leonard is like, why'd I do this? Why'd I do that? Da, da, da. And he's like, yeah, you know, because I'm looking for my wife's killer. And Teddy drops a bombshell. He's like, yeah, you been found him. We been killed him. Look at this picture. Of you smiling, covered in blood. Yeah, that's when you killed the guy, and you were so happy that day. And so Leonard is like, what are you talking about? I've been killed him. And Teddy's like, yeah, I just, like, need you to kill people. So I just tell you, like, that's the guy Mm -hmm. who kills your wife. Um, Also, he tells the the story, he tells Teddy the story about Sammy. And he's like, yeah, no, Sammy didn't have a wife. You're the one with the wife who had diabetes. You're the one he was injecting your your wife with um, insulin. Basically, his wife he, his wife survived the attack. 
but he still had his memory loss, and so his wife used, you know, really testing if he had memory loss, so she was the one who did the insulin, so he actually killed his wife, which, mm-hmm. insane, and so now Leonard is pissed looking at Teddy, and so Teddy takes the guy's suit, takes the guy's car, goes outside, not Teddy, Leonard takes the guy's suit, takes the guy's car, goes outside, he writes down, and turns out Teddy's name is, once again, John G., and that's tattooed on him. So he writes down Teddy's license plate number, and he gets that tattooed on him. And he's like, yeah, I can't remember nothing, but I'm going to use that fact to my advantage, which is why he killed Teddy at the beginning of the movie, because he thought he was John G. I was gagged, friend. I was gagged. To build off of you, friends, so at the ending of the movie, so after we learn that Teddy's an undercover cop, that Teddy reveals to us as the audience that his wife's murder was solved, like, I think he said, like, two or three years ago, and that, like, John G., that, like, he was sent back in undercover, like, to pretty much check in on Lenny since, you know, his memory, like, always relapses. And Teddy said something in the final scene that kind of had me wondering in the perspective of us as the audience, that what if that Lenny, that he's been such an unreliable narrator, that, like, he's lying to himself that recently that his wife was raped and killed, and that he's kind of giving himself a reason to keep going in life, that, like, he really has nothing else to live for, so he's convincing himself that, like, everybody's a John G, almost, like, that's kind of how I interpret it, like, when Teddy said that. 100%, because he, because Lenny also doesn't know how long it's been since the attack. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know how long he's been looking for John G. Or at least so he claims anyways. Who knows if, you know, to Teddy's point that Lenny, he's just telling us as the audience that he doesn't remember, but really, and if you put himself in his perspective, he's in denial. <clears throat> It's definitely possible, too, because with the amount of notes he kept, I'm thinking, why wouldn't you keep track of the year, too? Right. Yeah, I feel like he was just, you know, running around looking for John G because he had nothing better to do. Yeah, that's a really good point. So, like, if his wife has been dead for three years in reality, according to Teddy, it's like, what happened to all the other notes from all the other John G's that he kills? So, it's like, does he just, like, burn them and just start over finding new John G's? You know, I think he does. Because we do see him constantly burning stuff. That's true. Oh, you're right. He actually does burn stuff in the movie. Yeah, and his wife, and he's also lying to himself because he made up the whole scenario about Sammy and his wife with diabetes when it turns out it was really his wife who had the diabetes. Mm-hmm. Who and he killed his wife. So we we already know that Leonard is not a reliable narrator. I mean, it's kind of impossible to be a reliable narrator when you can't remember anything. And so, mm. since you can't remember anything, he definitely uses that to his advantage. And so, he, like, you know, allows himself to believe certain things. Because he can only remember things from the things he's written down. But you can pick and choose what you want to write down. Right. We, see that at the, we see that at the end when he writes down uh, Teddy's license plate. He, p- he can pick and choose what he writes down. So he picks and chooses what is his truth. Because his truth is only what he writes down. Right. Because that's a, well, because according to him, that's, it also kind of makes you wonder, friends. So 
remember like we said that like the movie resets every five to ten minutes in the audience's time it kind of makes me wonder when he writes down these notes right before his mind resets going back to the point that like he's kind of like lying to himself in the now that he needs a like needs a reason to find a new john g like each time what if he lies to himself in his own notes like right before he resets mm-hmm. yep that's good i think so 100 hmm. percent I'm really glad we're having this conversation because, like, I think without this conversation, it will be hard to appreciate the movie without talking about how deep it is. Because it's like, let's say I watch this movie and I didn't talk about it with somebody. It's like, I think I'll cry to your point just overthinking it. Yes, I actually did cry on my couch after I watched it. <laughs> because I was just, I was confused. Your head, like, shocked. hurt that much, huh? Yes. And so, oh, another funny moment is when he takes a nap at the hotel and he wakes up to somebody screaming in the closet. And Teddy and Teddy comes in. He's like, Lenny. And they mm-hmm. both look at the closet. And so he opens the closet. And he's like, do you know who this is? And Teddy's like, no. Do you know who this is? And they, like, rip the tape out the guy's mouth. And he's like, who are you? <laughs> like, sir. He's like, who did this And then rem- he's like, you, you. did. <laughs> oh, that was hilarious to me. Uh, it's just it was it was a lot of comedic moments in it because like him not remembering anything just right it just it's, up so so badly. I think it was like indirectly funny if you know what I mean. Like I don't think it was intentional, but it just came off that way. Yeah, and definitely um his his delivery was hilarious because he was genuinely confused. And then I also remember there was the landlord that it was like he was like I hope my condition like isn't any trouble. He's like hey as long as you remember to pay the rent. The landlord was funny because he would mess with him all the time. Right. And I can't lie though; he's low key real for that. Like, I can't lie. Like, if I was in that landlord, it might make me a little extra money. I'll make him stay here forever. Please. I, at first, I thought the landlord was somehow involved in it, but he wasn't. He just he was just a random guy. He was just a landlord. He was just he was just there. It that's that's funny to me. Uh, but I love the movie. It's definitely a ten out of ten, friend. What about you? Definitely you got a good. I definitely. It's it's the weirdest movie I've ever seen. Like easily top five. But if I were to rate it on a scale of one to ten, I think I would definitely give it like a solid nine. I just think like from time to time, like the only reason that like I just take one point off, I think there are. What's the word that I'm looking for? I think between Lenny and Natalie, her name was the bartender. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe I could be wrong, but is it me? I feel like Natalie almost wasn't entirely necessary to include in the movie. What do you think? Maybe she I could be wasn't. wrong. She was so random. I think she was just there to be like an, an imposing force. Also, I think she was there to show how he could be manipulated. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. I still feel that because when you think about it, he was still technically being manipulated by other characters in the movie, like the landlord and even arguably Teddy. Mm-hmm. He was definitely so, manipulated by Teddy. Teddy was having to run around and kill people for right. no reason. So yeah, I didn't think Natalie was the most necessary character, but mm-hmm. Carrie Ann, she was a, she's a good actress. So you know Carrie Ann Moss from the Matrix movies. Yeah, she was irritating though. I'm sorry, I will <laughs> never get over that spit in the cut. Such a shysty individual. 
so shy. That was disgusting. Like, you just met this man. What are you doing this for? But then again, maybe she... I don't know. Do you think she knew that he killed her boyfriend? You know, I guess that's something the film never did quite answer, did it, now? No, because he had his car and his suit. And so I would think that she would recognize at least one of those items. She would undoubtedly recognize the car. Yeah. Yeah, they never really did mention that. Yeah, that was definitely a plot hole. I don't know, maybe that's why she was messing with him. That's a good theory for sure. But if she didn't know, and she was messing with him for no reason, that's crazy. Because, I mean, then so, again, anybody can have that car. Oh, yeah. Anybody can have that car. Anybody can have that suit. So, like, in comparison, so, like, what was I about to say? So, aside from Memento, what are at least, like, three or five other, like, just mind-boggling movies that come to your head that, like, you really need to take your time to analyze it? Uh, my favorite movie, Butterfly Effect. Um, I watched the movie for the first time when I was, like, 10. Mm-hmm. And I've had to watch it a couple of times to fully grasp it. Plus, it has, like, seven different alternate endings. Which, seven endings? Yes, seven alternate endings, which makes it extra, extra interesting. Because the first one I saw, um, so basically you have the, so the main two people see is the theatrical cut and the director's cut. Those are the main two people see. And so I saw both of those. I thought there were only two endings. No, no. Turns out there's seven, which is insane. But they're all good. Like they can, they all work it their own way. Um, one, some of them are darker than others. Some of them are more hopeful than others. But yeah, it's it's kind of messed up. It's a messed up movie. Putting that out there. And then also um, Nightcrawler, of course. That was With Jake cool. Gyllenhaal. That was a great movie. So underrated. Yeah, amazing movie. It's pretty crazy. Um, let's think. Mind-boggling movies. Mm. Oh, Gone Girl. I didn't. The one with Ben Affleck, right? It's on H. I saw it's on HBO Max. I didn't watch it yet, though. It's certainly on my list. You know what, friend? That's the. That's maybe a movie that we should both. Well, I know you've seen it already, so you can rewatch, and it'll be my first time watching it. And then next episode, we can also have a nice, fun little analysis like this. Like we should like start like a series of like the most mind-bending, confusing movies we've ever seen. That should yeah. be fun. Memento was, Memento was number one. We're, yeah. We can definitely do so that. So number two would be Gone Girl, and then we could do, like, three more to make, like, you know, a top five, like, confusing movies. I also want to do movies that we've never seen before. Oh, yeah, of course. Just to make it... And maybe some of the movies that I recommend you might have not seen. So maybe um, Mulholland Drive, I think it's called. Have you ever seen... So, it's a it's it's also made by Christopher Nolan, who made Memento. Have you ever seen Inception? It has Leonardo DiCaprio and Elliot Page. Yeah, but I watched it a long time ago, so I don't really oh. remember it. So we can definitely we can definitely watch it. Yeah, I only saw it once a little while back, so it'll definitely be fun rewatching. Um, we can watch Vanilla Sky. You know what's another really confusing movie? Also made by Chris. What is with this man in confusing movies? It was actually made back in 2020. Have you ever heard of a movie called Tenet? It had John David Washington, the son of Denzel Washington, and Robert yeah, I Pattinson. Think, I think you talked about it before, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. Let me see. 
Let me see if these movies are on streaming. Just to be prepared. Oh, Brent, I just noticed you went over the hour mark. Should we cut the episode here? Um, Let's finish talking about the movies, and then we can cut it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Split 2017? The one with James McAvoy? Yeah. Yeah. That well, isn't great. there a movie that preludes that? Unbreakable? Yeah, we have, we, yeah, we have Unbreakable trilogy. and Glass. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, Get Out. I think we could definitely throw that up there. Maybe us as well. Oh, and also, did you watch the movie Nope yet? No. Ooh, we should definitely... Because I only saw the movie once. I definitely want to rewatch it again. It's just one of those movies, you know? I think there's some stuff that flew over my head. Mm-hmm. And... um, Sorry, friend. I'm just thinking. Um, you said what movies again? You said Us, Get Out, Nope, and... Uh, Mulholland Drive, Vanilla Sky. Uh, another movie that I watched that was mind-boggling was Fight Club. Yes, I was just about to say Fight Club. I saw that when I was, like, in middle school. I hardly remember that. I remember it. <laughs> I would never rewatch. I don't have it in Not me. Too confusing or too traumatizing? Both. Oh, Nocturnal Animals. Oh, I love that movie. Have you seen it, friend? I have not. You know what else are some also pretty thought-provoking movies? The Blade Runner movies? I think I might or might have not told you about them. How much I like them. Yeah, they were good. Oh, you saw them both already? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, did you like the one, the first one better from the 80s with Harrison Ford or the newer one with Ryan Gosling? Oh wait a minute! I'm thinking of the wrong movie. No, friend. Oh. oh, I did see. I did see the one. I did see the one with Ryan Gosling, but I didn't like oh. it. Oh, that's like top ten, my friend, for me. It's, it's not my type. It's not my cup of tea, friend. That's understandable. We can definitely create a list because I need you to watch Butterfly Effect, like immediately. So we can definitely have an episode about that. Let that be. Let's that. Let's do that next. Yeah. Sorry, friend. I was just taking a look at my. Yeah. Sorry. Can you just read that one more time, friend? Sorry. I said let's do. Let's make a uh, butterfly effect the next movie. Okay. What streaming is that on? Um. Jesus. Butterfly effect. You said it's called. I don't know, friend. It's on Prime, but I paid for it permanently. Um... I bought it, so I need to watch it over and over again. Butterfly effect movie. I also have the DVD. It's, I'm sure I can find it on bootleg. It doesn't seem to be on any streaming. It's $3.99 on Amazon. Prime video is tripping. Like, I, like, you gotta rent movies on Prime Video now for $20. And now... Well, some of them anyways. Like... If it's, like, a really new movie, you have to pay, like, $20 rent it, and then if you're just renting your average movie on Prime Video, um, it's, like, 5 $4 now. Like, come on now. Yeah, it's 4 bucks on Prime. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed our discussion on the movie Memento and our most recent binges. Um, if you haven't seen Cruel Summer, tune in immediately. 
you need it in your life. Or um, else. Yes. Do you have anything <laughs> to say, friend? Huh? Do you have anything to say, friend? Um, no, I don't. All right. Uh, don't forget to check out our socials. Follow us on Instagram at being effing for real pod. Follow us on Twitter at being effing for real with the number four. Follow us on TikTok at BFFRPod3. And follow us on Letterboxd at being effing for real pod. Um, yeah, this is us signing out. Toodles. See y'all.